it's corruption. Your point about evangelicals think that raising taxes is a sin, and they don't know why they think that. It's just so embedded in the political culture and language. They've never stopped to evaluate the roots of that thinking. Let me tell you, it's because of the single interest private sector influence on the political that marries up with the religious part of the party. They fund the party, okay? The base of people that show up at events that turn out to vote, et cetera, or the evangelicals, but the people paying for the machinery are wealthy business people, like they're single interest private sector business people. So they don't like taxes. So they kind of maneuver into and through their religious voters and like, did you know that God doesn't like tax? And it's just total manipulation. Yeah. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Okay, let's record. Three, two. Okay, wh- one. which podcast is this? You have a lot of them. This is this is the Paul and Ashley podcast on nonpartisan evangelical. Oh, okay. Are we recording this? Here we are, Saturday morning. Doing our thing. So we went for a little different location this day. Yes, we did. We're not sure if we like it or not. Well, I guess other people can be the judge of that as to whether or not this. <laughs> shot in the the never-ending pursuit of mixing it up like we're still sheltering in place in california so it is a big day when i go to the mailbox (laughs) end of the very short driveway yeah so what else can we do we can try to change the shots in our little tiny home office here and make it more interesting for folks who are popping on and good morning to folks who are joining it looks very nice. Thank you so much. Is that, that's page 45. Yeah, her name is Lisa. Oh, good. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking this morning, I wonder what page 45, I wonder if she's going to be on this morning for one thing. And secondly, I wonder what her actual name is and if she minds us knowing that. She so, says the shot looks very nice. Yes, I see that. I see that comment. So Yeah, I, we're just always up our faces in, in the right up in there on people. And so I thought, let's, let's try to sit back. Now is it? Okay. Is it? I think we're good. We're, we're just going with this. Okay. And in case you're wondering if I have on a tinfoil hat with a little antenna coming up, I do not. <laughs> that happens to be a lamp. You want to move the lamp? We could probably move the lamp. You want me to reach it? Can you reach it? I think so. I think I can reach it. I've never been accused <laughs> of wearing a tinfoil hat. All right. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. Now you're kind of washed, though. Yeah. Let's see if I can do so here we are adjusting, fidgeting, doing our usual thing, but yeah. it's Saturday and we are excited that we made it through another week and we're excited. I was telling Paul this week that honestly, one of my highlights of every week in shelter in place and COVID world and crazy thing that is the day we live in is just hanging out on Saturday mornings with Paul, with people who choose to join in and seeing the comments and the chats that come in it's it's just i don't know it's just really encouraging to me. yeah this is our little debrief from the week yeah and hanging out with you guys and so we do always love you to tell us where you're joining from and boy we've got the words a little bit farther away than I know. normal those of us in northern michigan love the sunshine obviously yeah. has sunshine well, in northern I'll, michigan i'll tell you what we in here in the middle of california so we're in fresno which is this literally the geographic center of the state of California, it's a desert here. And we were on track to have the driest January in 100 years until this week, 
quite literally an atmospheric river. That's yeah. apparently a meteorological term. An atmospheric thing. river opened up, the heavens opened, and they poured, and we had rain and rain four days in a row. Just like a soft but steady and very full rain that just came down. So our land has been drenched and quenched, and our air is beautiful. So now we have some sun. Cool. Yeah. So when she says desert, that is a climate term. It actually is beautiful and green and lush and we're the kind of the agricultural breadbasket of the world. But it's all irrigated. That's the point. Well, yes. It's not like natural. We don't get very much rain at all. It's and so it was weird to have, what do we have, two and a half days of nonstop serious rain. No, we had like more than that, three or four. Three or four. But we, yeah, so we have to truck all the water in. It comes from the Sierra Nevadas, which are the mountain range, that that the boundary, the eastern part of California. Snow freezes up there, and then in the spring it melts, and it comes down in your channel to irrigation districts and or canals. That and then groundwater, people pour pull water up with pumps, and that's why we have agricultural bounty. Uh -huh. So Lisa has a brother who lives in Fresno. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. Oh, my gosh. How about that? How did we not know this? How did we not Lisa, know that? We've been, we've been Saturday morning Zooming or whatever, living together for many weeks. Yeah. All right. Welcome so to the rest of you. Who Georgia and Jacksonville, Florida, welcome. Portland, Oregon. Welcome, welcome. L.A. Glad you guys are with us. Yeah. And you know, do us a favor, if uh, if you can, share this live for a second. We, okay, we are- well, I like that look much better. It is, it's when I move in and out of the sun. Anyway, <laughs> I was joking about not wearing a tinfoil hat earlier and actually it's just like a little lamp behind me. But here's the deal, I do have one small conspiracy that I wanna to share today. Okay. I think that TikTok algorithms are messing with us right now. They are. They're messing with you. They are. So like, we're having a hard time reaching the outer world. So can you share this video right now? Share this live. Go on if you haven't already. Follow Paul, old Pastor Paul, the TikTok pastor. We want to break the rhythm of the algorithm and get back to the point where we can reach more people, connect with all of you, you guys connecting with one another. So there we go. Give you just a got a share from, gosh, I can't read that. but So the funny thing is I can read better from here because I have my contacts in. Okay, and when good. it's up close, I can't see it without reading. Then you read it and tell me what's I'll happening. Do my Somebody best. was saying that I had talked about it earlier. Yeah, it's like my, it's weird. It, it goes in such spurts and there are times when videos just take off and we're adding followers and the comments are crazy, but I've never had it be as slow as it's been this week. It's yeah. been the slowest week I've ever had yeah. as, a, as a TikTok. Yeah. Following the fastest week of expansion yeah. you had and you jump back in the creator fund thinking maybe there's a way to generate a little bit of revenue to support what you're doing. And when you got back into the creator fund, it started to creep back. So that's one of our conspiracy theories yes. that the creator fund causes TikTok to put your videos in the FYP less. And then somebody else told me that they said, you mentioned a YouTube, you mentioned YouTube. Oh, in your and video. then they, they kind of blacklist you. If you mention your YouTube page, oh. you, get, you get put into hey, purgatory for by that. By the way, someone just asked, how do you share the live? So can you say how to do that real quick? Or can somebody else? I don't else really know. Somebody else may need to tell. Um, I think you hit like the three dots at, or no, there's a share there arrow. arrow. There's a share yeah. arrow at the bottom. And you can share it out. The share arrow. A share arrow. Share arrow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, welcome, you guys. And Come follow. If you're not a follower already, make sure. I like that. Thank you for showing what a real human should act like. Yeah. So, yes, it's the arrow at the bottom right of the screen. There we go. Now y'all are helping each other. Thank you. And we're just saying hi. So far, we've just been on for a few minutes. Thank you for popping in. Love to hear where you're from. And really, our time on Saturday mornings is just spent debriefing our week together, but also hearing from you guys and uh, next to the gift box. So helpful in the chat. Just hearing from you guys and the conversation unfolds from there. So hopefully yeah. this is a place of a little bit of decompression for your week, encouragement for one another. That's certainly what we want it to be. And then, yeah, just having freedom to say, in fact... Paul has started this little micro-enterprise that is his content generation company. And the name of the company is Permission to Speak. And that's really the theme of this season of our lives is feeling like the chains are off. I'm no longer an elected official. Not that I wasn't right in saying what I wanted to say when I was mayor or president, but they're just it's a little different when you have a public microphone, you have to think about 
what you're saying. And then, of course, at the same time, my husband was pastoring a church, but he started a mid-sized church here in Fresno, California. And you felt like a lot of times you had to bite your tongue or you would edit yourself before. A lot of times. Other people would edit you and then you're like, oh, crap, you started just editing yourself. So this is our season of life. We're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Permission to speak. And so we give you all permission to speak in the chat. Feel free to share what's going on. And uh, this is a little bit of a gathering place of politics and religion and what's going on in this crazy mashup of these two things that should not be coming together and uh, taking that apart so we can talk about the real God who yeah. loves us. And, I, and permission to speak is the name of the company. I think the theme of the season is permission to think. I oh, want I like that. people to have permission to think. And, and part of the problem of evangelicalism that has led to where we are spiritually, religiously, politically, and I'm not sure why that lighting keeps going up and down. It's just part of what it is. Do you know, I honestly think like a truck is driving by or something. And oh, it's is that like, what it is? There's a shadow or something. <laughs> Please, don't be distracted by us. Permission to think. You have, you. so this idea of evangelicalism, we talked about this in the Bible chat this morning, that we know everything there is to know, and you have to be in line with that, or you're a false teacher, or God doesn't love you, or you're not a Christian, is bullshit. <laughs> it's like just, let's Actually, be honest uh, about permission it. to curse is permission the to other, curse is, is, the, is the sub the subtitle. <laughs> a third thing: permission to speak, permission to think, permission to curse. We are we are loving the ability to drop a little bullshit BS bomb, little f bomb every now and Yeah, and people are saying like you you weren't allowed to think or ask questions, and so I was talking in the Bible chat, and I'm on the Bible chat every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. Come on, and we were talking today about is our theologies like the virgin birth, things we die on, hills that we die on, or is it just the message of Jesus connecting us to heaven, and we hold everything else a little bit loosely, and we can argue about it. So there's a comment that says, I'm really grateful for you and other Christians who have taught me how to be a better Christian. Nice. And by better Christian, I think what you're saying, I hope, is looking more like the life modeled by Christ in the Bible, because that's actually what Christian means is look like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you want to go today? Besides the fact that I just dropped my cell phone on my dog's back, he is freaking (laughs) out, so I'm needing to make sure he knows that World War III is not upon him. People on YouTube can see him. It's, his name's Pudgy, or they can see his butt. Yeah, least. this is P- literally Pudgy's butt. Pudgy's butt. Um, uh, on TikTok, you can't see how it's Yeah, I think I think probably what I would share this morning is coming in, just ending the week. So I work for a local nonprofit. It's the Community Foundation that serves our area. And anybody who's worked in the nonprofit sector knows, like, honestly, I've worked private sector. I've worked in government. And I've Dang it. Sorry. That was my phone all the way falling off. So now we will have no (laughs) Now the dog is really freaking out. With it slipping off the armchair because it just fell on the ground. Anyway, I've worked in all three sectors and I can tell you, God bless the people who work in the nonprofit sector. It is a lot of work, just Mm -hmm. nonstop. So I usually end up the week just being drained and I was just like thinking a little bit this morning. I was journaling, knowing I was going to spend time hanging out with folks on TikTok. And I was like, okay, God, this is my version of prayer looks like this. I have a journal and I just write stuff out because it helps me focus. And otherwise, my as a working mom, you guys know how this goes. Like my thoughts are in a thousand different places. So I write and it pulls me into what's really going on with me. And I just found myself thinking, don't like I I really want people to be encouraged today to I've heard you say this week to feel their feelings. Mm. And to like I think just this hunker down shelter in place, COVID. Now, thank God we've survived the presidential transition. So that's the weight off our shoulders. But I think for me, I can just be going all the time and not be in touch with how I'm feeling. And, and I want people to be encouraged to just think about your week and be honest about how you're coming into this space. And we'll see where it goes from there. I do also have a little cool Bible verse that stuck out to me this morning that I want to share maybe later. Okay. Whenever you feel like it fits. I love what you're saying though. Part of an American culture is we have so many options to distract us, whether it's food or coffee or television. Now we have zillions of choices for TV viewing or pre-COVID days, we could go a zillion different places. And so our culture and even evangelical thought has been built around how do we avoid feelings? Because we don't want to be sad. We're looking for happiness, which is an external concept. 
we've, we've assigned value to, to different feelings yeah. instead of just being like, we value the, the feeling itself. It's yeah. okay. Being happy is good. Yeah, being, being sad, sad is bad. So. Being pensive is bad. And that's not true. That being sad or mourning is actually a very healthy process. We keep seeing people who say, how do I handle my parents who, who are angry at me because I don't believe like them politically. That's something you should mourn and grieve yeah. and sit with and yeah. say, oh, this hurts. My parents have gone insane. But the, the world's insane around me. Those feelings are really valuable. And then what we say in, Evan, in the evangelical world is, ah, get over it. Read your Bible and yeah. be okay. Or forget, 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 forget. Jesus you know? took care of you. You don't yeah. need, you know, and those are... We deny ourselves. Those that. are denial. It's, it's absolute yeah. denial. So it's really healthy to sit and say, Yep. I'm sad. I'm going to be sad. It's okay to be sad. Why am I sad? Let me look that through. Those are really healthy moments. So maybe that's what our weekends are. This weekend can be about for those of you who are in a similar boat where you just are killing yourself to get through the week. What COVID is complicating everything. Everything's more difficult, whether you've got kids at home that you're trying to also help with school, or if you are back at work and you're having to go to work in the middle of all this or working at home or whatever, like weekends, man, we got to shut let that stuff go and let ourselves feel what we've just been through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really true. Yeah. Um, I need to adjust something on, on okay. YouTube real quick. So okay. talk amongst yourselves. Well, I'll, I'll say what's the, there are so many great things about when I said that earlier, that is so much work. I don't mean to suggest that it's bad. The awesome thing is that you get to hang out with people who are like really skilled facilitators and like counselors and social workers. And like, every, I feel like every meeting I'm in is like a, a group therapy session because you've got somebody there who's like facilitating the space and everyone's talking about how are you showing up today and all this is stuff. We, we never did this kind of stuff when I was mayor president. I would be like, F your feelings. We got work to do. We'll let, leave that outside the building. But um, I'm proud of you for saying F. Yeah. I figured it was a little too early that to would start. Be, that would be a little too much. The actual. It? But anyway, I'm not kidding you. I went to this one meeting not long ago and this lady, she's a sociologist. She had with her like a physical cutout of a wheel and she called it the feeling wheel. And we had to like spin and all these different feelings were on there. And the, I can't remember the exercise, but I thought, oh my God, this is classic. And you had one that was like, give a weather report of how you're doing. Right? Yes. All the different ways that people are thinking, like the creative questions of showing up for Zoom call after Zoom. And like all these facilitators are trying to get fancy with how they facilitate the meeting so that it feels better than just staring at a computer screen. And so um, one call I was on, the the icebreaker question was was like, if you could be weather, like what weather would you be right now? And so people were like, oh, I'm in the desert. I'm, it's really hot. Or I, I'm, I can't remember all the different. Yeah, like, it's partly cloudy with yeah, sun breaking yeah, through. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yes, the creativity abounds in nonprofits. So I wasn't texting. I was asking our YouTube followers to let me know how the sound is. And if you guys can hear okay and where you're joining from. So we're live on YouTube and TikTok right now. Yeah. And we're trying to break through the algorithms in both. So let everybody know you're here and joining because somehow I got put in TikTok purgatory this week. Uh, so we're trying to see if we can break the algorithm down. So I'm realizing that it is a little bit tough to see folks' comments from yeah. here and wonder, do you want me to flip the scroll through that and see what's going on in the chat box? No, I don't think so yet. Okay. So Oh, I shared on Twitter. Oh, that's cool. cool. Thank you. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and you can tell us a Bible verse, but I, I, I was asked an interesting question this week, and it actually ended up coming through about three times, and it was, what party would Jesus be in oh, yeah. if Jesus were on earth today? Yeah. Would he be a Republican? Yet yeah, beige is typing in all caps again, so we can really see. <laughs> we can see it, but we're just, usually we're within fingers distance to scroll yeah. through, and we're not today because we were just trying out a different shot, and it's not something we can easily change and fix. So we may go to something else, but isn't it nice to see another part of our space today? And Get to see our we hope, and, we hope it's refreshing for you. <laughs> we just wanted something different. And I think it looks fabulous on YouTube, but we'll probably go back to our other one. I just wanted it to look different this week. Gotcha. But so what do you think? What, if Jesus were on earth incarnate in the flesh today, what political party would he belong to? Or would he be liberal, conservative, libertarian, laissez-faire, free market economist? What do you Don't you think when Jesus was on the earth, not if he was here today, but like he was on the earth and he, he, like everything he did was like, 
like teaching people, y'all are all about this sort of man-made power and control of governmental structures that are made by man. You're missing the point. The point is kingdom. I'm from a different place. So I almost feel like he would represent that same thing today. He, I think he would be like, honestly, you guys reason among yourselves, try to come up with the best policies you can. There's good and bad in both parties, but realize there's something different and better and transcendent from this little power struggle you're having with political parties. Don't you think that's what he would say today? Yeah. Like literally said that Yes. when he was here before. Um, there's a lot of different ways to go with it. I, I hear a lot of people say he'd be libertarian and I actually don't think that's true. Um, not a straight libertarian because Libertarians are just like, hey, everybody go do their own thing and you reap the consequences or you reap the benefits and there should be no government. I think one of the, one of our sayings is we believe God hates politics, but he loves good government. Absolutely. The Bible talks about good government, just government on a regular basis, said yeah. it would even rest on the shoulders of Emmanuel, that, that government of peace would be his lineage forevermore. So I don't think it's, I don't think Jesus would be anti-government. I think he, he was like, let's overturn bad systems. But the truth is the government of Rome, which was the government of the day in his life, other than the religious system that was underneath that government, he never bothered to once say we need to overthrow that government. He was not a, and there were zealots trying to overthrow the government. So I think straight libertarian anti-government would not be oh, Jesus. Oh, hell no. Listen, I was I served as mayor alongside a libertarian council member, and I love him dearly like a brother, but that guy was whacked. Yeah. <laughs> he was a tea party guy. Libertarians are like, just nobody ever tell anybody what to do, and like any sort of systematic like structure is bad. Honestly, that's... And so sometimes he was like way far left, and then other times he was like super far. He could never figure that out. It's a concept that breaks down in its implementation. Yeah. And to Beige's question, no, it's, or Lisa, it's libertarian, independent, not the same thing. Yeah, no, libertarian is, is a very specific belief in like everybody gets to do their own thing. There should right. be nobody, almost no laws against should, anything. The government, literally, this guy would espouse things like the government should not build roads. Right. Like individuals, if you want to travel somewhere, you should build your own road. Yeah. It's just not, it's completely divorced from reality. And, and it's an idea that the free market will always correct itself. And we just know the history of countries just doesn't bear that out. Yeah. There, there, we believe there has to be a tension. We believe in tension. So Jesus always was talking about taking care of the poor, loving your neighbor, yep. all of those things. Yep. So that was a key tenet. Yep. And so many people tell me like, so Jesus was a socialist, but then he would tell parables and nine times out of 10, the parable was about do good things and you will have a, you will reap a harvest. You will reap a reward. And since agriculture was the major industry of his day, he was putting everything in terms of if you do right, you're going to reap a profit. And a benefit. So I don't think he was anti, anti-capitalism 100% because yeah. he was always talking about work hard, reap a profit, but then steward that profit to take care of people around. So you. let's maybe, I want to refine my response to your question. Okay. Okay. So I, I do not believe that Jesus would have fallen into the trap of picking, picking a brand of politics, but I totally agree with you the that, Bible said he was neither slave nor free, yeah. Greek nor Jew. So yes, but that's would, different yeah. from being like hands off. I don't really have an interest right. here. La la la. I believe, and I would say, I was asking if I'm Jonah Hill, by the way. Who's Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill, the actor. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't. I don't think I look like him, but I'll Google the image <laughs> later. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted your track. Yeah, that was those, that was those one word. If you're married to Paul Swearengen, you learn to have a laser focus. Like you cannot <laughs> shake my point because this guy is slightly ADD and so verbal. So he was like, he will take try to take you. But yeah, but I will not be deterred to okay. say what I was going to say. Here's what my point: connecting with the true God of the Bible. But everybody's talking about how much I look like Jonah Hill. Okay, go ahead. Which will be our next topic. Yes. As I reach for my phone and look to see if I agree or not. If you, when you connect with the love of God as manifested by his son, Jesus, you are not the same. You are not the same. And 
I 100% know that if Jesus was on the earth today, which actually he is through all of us, as we reflect him and his love for people, it will change the way we think about others. It will change our hearts to, to orient us towards community. And I believe the best thing for community, civil society in the long run is solutions have to be lasting. When it comes time to ink the policy or appropriate resources or figure out how to solve a problem we all have in common, one of the really important things you have to think through, to your point about Jesus talked a lot about prosperity and sort of financial sustainability, is that you have to think about, okay, given our resources and our society, if we do things a certain way, let's think 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, is this going to put us on the right course? And so I think probably like, Jesus inspired policy. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm not trying to condemn my enemy or make a spectacle out of my political enemy. I genuinely think this is the right thing to do. I think Jesus would give that person's heart view and like rational mind a full hearing and a full audience. Right. I think Jesus, like, I think anything brought forward is how the Pharisees would always bring these trick questions to Jesus. Okay, they were asking, they were at that time, they were asking him things like, which is it, Jesus, Republican or Democrat? Yeah. And waiting for him to say the wrong thing so that they could condemn him. And I think. Or they would say, get people going to hell, yes or yeah, no. Exactly. Just yes or no. Yes or yes no. Or no. Don't, don't quit equivocate. Yeah. Give us yeah. an answer, yes or no. And Jesus would never None answer those questions. None of ever. It. Again, I think if Jesus were governing in today's society, I think he would. I think he would give full audience to people who brought their best ideas, their hearts and their minds, and they're sacrificial. Like another thing about leading in the governmental realm, I always look for who is making a sacrifice and like telling the truth to their base or telling, saying something that they know is not going to be like, but it is actually the truth. Whoever is, whoever's coming from that point of view, man, that person's got the heart of God in that situation. So I think it was one of the, one of the sort of covenants you made, perhaps with yourself or between us as you were running for office, that if the answer to the question of, are you gonna do this or are you not, or are you gonna support this or are you not, is ever, here's the right answer, but if I do that, it's gonna injure me politically or injure my party, Yeah. then you go with the right answer. Yeah. You'd never you go with the political to. answer. And you it, just have to, and here's the thing, you, okay, what you can't do is do that sometimes and not other times. Yeah. You can't do that. That's people don't trust you. That is like walking into a briar patch of thorn bushes. You can't just do stuff that's politically accepted. You have if you you have to do that all the time. Or else people don't trust that when you are taking a hard position that you're doing it for the right reason. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can't do it when it's convenient. And and actually, it's the, in some ways, it's harder because it can cost you, and it costs you with the Republican Party at times, which, by the way, in California, the Republican Party is so nutty, cracky. Yeah, I'm not too sad about it. It is worldwide, or nationwide now, for sure, but here in California, the Republican Party is really wacko, like majorly wacko. Kevin McCarthy and Devin Nunes are part of it here in Central California. But they're not California. even really that involved in the state party, by the way. Well, true, true. They're more just like at the national level, like this. Yeah. They're not too involved in the state party, but I think they're pretty good representations of where Republicanism has gone in California. And yes, we have on the Democratic side, we have a lot of issues too. Somebody, at least I think, was saying she felt like the Republicans manipulate their people more than the Democrats do. And I think today in the Donald Trump era, we certainly can understand that as an argument. But I think both sides have their little footballs that they know how to push on and manipulate people. It's like immigration. In some ways, neither side wants immigration to get fixed because it it is a political football that both of them can use to activate their people. And if it was resolved, you don't agree? If it were resolved then they wouldn't have that as an issue to push their people on. It's not. I don't think the left benefits from it not being solved. I think the left actually does want to solve immigration. I really do. Because it's... Then why don't they? Because they don't... Well, that's a good question. A lot of people are very critical of the Obama administration for not, for not going hard on immigration reform. And I just think what I've heard from insiders... People who were in, in the administration. Oh, people are like, we disagree. Oh, yes, we do at times. Yeah. What I've heard is 
Okay, do you want to just a little bit of pour the tea on President Obama for a second? Sure. Okay. What, what actually, does that mean, pour the tea? It means tell the truth. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I learned it from my 21-year-old daughter. Pour the tea. All right. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Pour the okay, tea. Okay, I'll try not to repeat that one. Anyway, and this is this has been like other people have said this a lot publicly, so it's not anything like super insightful, but so they get into office in 2009 and they literally, they, they break the bank on healthcare reform. They use every ounce of political capital. They force it. They, Which when and, you think back about it now that they got that done, it, seeing where our government is now, it's incredible that they were able to get yeah. that bill passed. And it was the calculation. They knew yeah. they were going to have to spend it all and that it might, it was going to impact them at midterms. I don't know that they realized it would impact them as much as it did, uh-huh. but that two years was like just brutal, bloody battle. And then they really paid the price with the red wave in 2010, which swept the nation, except it stopped at the border of California. Anyway, the so then doing a similar big push and lift on immigration reform, I think they were just a little bit gun shy. And also I've heard from people who were lawyers in the administration that President Obama was not great with working with the legislature. And now we see with President Biden, Biden was brought in for that reason to cultivate relationships and really understand the mechanics of the legislature and President Obama was seen as not having time for that, kind of above it, too cerebral, and just the relational tissue was so frayed, F-R-A-Y-E-D, that then they just didn't have, they did not have the support, the political support to go make this big push on immigration reform. And to this day, I mean, we hear a lot in our region, a lot of Latinx leaders that are just so upset about that. Yeah. It didn't get done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I remember when President Obama, there there was, I want to say, somebody might know in the chat, maybe year six for them, they did make a run of it, six or seven. And I remember President Obama saying publicly and nationally when asked, what's it going to take to get immigration reform done? He said the evangelical church needs to get on board. And he called out the evangelical church, like y'all are anchoring the Republican Party and you are the the people of the Bible. And if you think that refugees should be treated differently per the Bible, you need to speak up and sway your political party. But of course we didn't. And that Christians backed up Trump immigration policies is mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. And that Jeff Sessions, the attorney general of the United States used the book of Romans to back it up is an abomination to me. It, it, it is absolutely, I almost can't contain the amount of anger I feel over that. And that Christians believe yeah. punishing immigrants for coming across the border is what God would want them to do is nuts. Yeah. It is, yeah. you are not reading the Bible because like, taking care of the foreigners, because in their culture, they had these people that weren't Jewish and weren't Israelite heritage or Israeli heritage. And, and so they had no way to own, they couldn't own land. They couldn't have jobs. They could own, and, and so God specifically said, you have to take care of those people. You have to take care of those people. And we have the story of Boaz uh, and Ruth was this foreign widow and nobody was required to take care of her by their cultural standards. But God said, Boaz, I'm really going to bless you. And they end up being in the lineage of Jesus for taking care of those foreigners and leaving your field unharvested on the edge so that the widows and foreigners can feed themselves. And so to think that the Bible would say, yeah, punish people that are running from oppression in their own countries to, to have the hope of America. And when they come here, treat them so badly that everybody else will be scared to come and then call ourselves a great country because of that. You've got to be freaking kidding me. There's no way the Bible lines up with that in the slightest. All right, I'll stop preaching. Okay, I so get a big wow from Curtis on YouTube for that one. I want to just do a quick interlude in okay. case we know when we do these lives, people come on for two or three minutes at the time and at the most. So if you've been hanging out with us since we jumped on about 30, 45 minutes ago, pardon the interruption here for a second. But let me say thank you for joining us. I'm Ashley. This is Paul. This is Pudgy. This is Pudgy. He happens to be joining us today. This is old Pastor Paul on TikTok, the nonpartisan evangelical, um, I guess other parts, but we're sticking with old Pastor Paul, pastor-paul.com. If you're liking what you're hearing, if you're enjoying just hanging out in this space, can you just take a second 
and hit the share arrow, which we have coined a new word this morning, the share The share um, Because TikTok is like strangling Paul's content this week. And we want to- We think, it. we don't know. <laughs> the, the TikTok gods are listening. This is my theory, yeah. my tinfoil hat here, <laughs> that they, when you start expanding your audience, that like maybe it recedes kind of, un, un, I don't know. We have a number of theories as to why we're, we're... Yeah, so just share it. And then if you haven't followed Old Pastor Paul yet, please do. And share the fact with others that you're following. Paul is uh, a career pastor, licensed minister. Actually, I shouldn't say career pastor because before you went into the ministry, he was a sports guy. He's got such an interesting background. Radio, TV, sports, calling out people on different issues in the sports world. And then really felt like he was supposed to go into ministry. So we did that kind of mid-career the same time I was running for mayor. So we've served in the sort of governmental realm and also the church world. And that brings us to this point. We're saying that it is time for people of faith to speak truthfully about what's happening in our society, not to be blinded with the political blinders of the right. And that's what we like to do when we hang out together on Saturday mornings. But also it's a time to decompress. So we're hoping you feel some encouragement from hanging out here together. And we'd love to see where you guys are from because we just think that God loves cities. He loves communities. He loves physical regions. And every time I see a different location flash up on the screen, I get excited about the person who's in that place, other people who are in that location, their hearts, their hearts, desires, and how God loves their dreams, their ambitions, for their community and for their families. Anyway, we like to see where you're from. Yeah, we have somebody uh, from Iowa asking where we're from. Okay, fair we're question. We're in Fresno, California, in yep. the very center of the state, Texas, Arizona with us, northern Michigan. We get, seem to get a lot of Michiganders, know. you know? The, and the Michiganders, I even like to say that word, Michigander. Yeah. yeah, that's a cool part of the country. So I was talking to a friend of mine who works in Michigan a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, what is the deal with Michigan? Like, malicious trying to kidnap governors and these crazy things going on with the election, the count, the recount, the state legislator, legislators going to see the president, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's going on? And his theory was that Michigan is a place where you've got rural parts of the state, which tend to be Trump land, and then you've got these major urban centers. And so it's like a tornado, the hot and the cold coming together creates this little political storm. So um, California is the same, though. Yeah, no, but it's mostly blue. There's not much that people on the right can do to create friction because mostly the state is just so dominant. And on YouTube, we have Indira from L.A. and Curtis from Fresno, Charles from Chula Vista, California. But I I think a lot of people who aren't from California don't realize that Central California, where we live, not Fresno itself, which has which went for Clinton in the last election and Biden in this one, but the area of the San Joaquin Valley between these two mountain ranges in the center of the state. Like the ag region. Very conservative. Devin Nunes is our congressman. You guys probably have heard that name. And Kevin McCarthy is the congressman from Bakersfield, which is south of us. And they are as right-wing as you can get. Kevin McCarthy just had his picture taken with Donald Trump in Florida this week. I would say they are as pandering as... Pandering, how about that? I'm not sure I would put a political ideology with it. I would just say they're... Panderers. Yeah, conservative means a whole different thing these days. And yeah, they're as crazy, wacky right wing as you can get. And the funny thing is we from people we know who know them, that hasn't been them always. That was that was yeah, opportunistic were, political like change. Pragmatic, for them. Kind yeah. of more pragmatic, business-minded Republicans when they got their start. And that's the thing. When you start partnering with an ideology and a party, like the Christian evangelical church has you start making compromises to your value system. It's exactly what I believe Jesus hated about the Pharisees was you give yourself permission to sin and to condemn others because you've partnered with this mindset. And so that's what I think Jesus would hate about the evangelical right-wing church if if he were here in the flesh today. I like this question. Can you be a conservative leftist? I don't know, but let's give it a try. How about I I would say that's a little (laughs) bit of what we are. I wouldn't say leftist, but left-leaning centrist? How about that? I, I don't know. I think the best way that I like just practically the way I like to think about it is what are the ideals and the sort of the heart and that's being lifted up by the political left? Let's evaluate that. And I think the left raises such good issues. I just don't think they always have the full toolbox of policy prescriptions to address those things. But I think we're, our society is well served by paying attention to the issues and the concerns that are being raised. 
And then I just have to, I think you have to stop and go, okay, the things you're suggesting as policy solutions, let's think it all the way through. Let's look at the pro forma. Is it going to work five years from now? Where are we going to be 10 years from now? How about 20? How about 25? And you just, if you combine that sort of conservative view of a solution needs to be sustainable, then I, yeah, maybe that is what a conservative left is. I don't know. Yeah. I would say I'm a left-leaning centrist or follower of Christ. That would be <laughs> because I start saying Christian, but then what Christian has come to mean is a whole nother thing. And yeah. boy, I just, there, somebody had a good comment I'm, there. And I, I'm, and pardon me for like getting all up in everyone's space here, but let me just do this and scroll a little bit. A little bit farther, would you? There was one. Call, can we just call that independent? Thank you. Let's just do that. Because again, to me, Boom. independent doesn't fully get it either because, because the Bible demands we live in community too. So, you know, this, because what independent has come to mean in America is like, Gosh darn it, nobody ever tells me what to do ever. And, well, and that's not I, the whole I don't think either. so. I think in a political context, particularly in California, where decline to state is the fastest growing political no party, preference. no party preference, which is our version of independent, it doesn't mean that. It means. Right. So I like means, no party preference better than independent, just as a terminology. Okay, fine. What I'm well, saying. I don't know what comment you were looking for. I don't know. I missed it. What uh, are the dangers? Oh, the dangers of being a political party on religious values. The danger of that that we see is first, there was this mythically created culture war that guys like Newt Gingrich and Pastor James Dobson of Focus on the Family, we create a culture war. The culture is out to get us and either we're going to win or they're going to win. And it created this we're right, they're wrong, us versus them mentality. And when you do that, then religious value starts to be redefined. And, and so you see what it is like. I have many Christian friends that believe ever being for a tax is sin. Like all taxes yeah. are sinful. Yeah. Moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was required of Christians to support or you were demonic and demonically controlled. And these are things that have become part of being religious values of a political party that are not in the Bible as requirements of Christians. And so that's the danger that now capitalism itself and not kneeling to, not taking a knee on the flag, like the flag itself has become an idol to us and saying, if you don't treat the flag, you're not a Christian. I, I have to tell you, yeah. there are so many good comments right okay. now. I have to Go just, I have to just like, I see you about to hop out of your chair. Okay. First of all, independently interdependent. That is a really good way. Wow. To there it. you go. Thank you. Now for we're thinking tying deeply. it all together. It's like the infinity loop <laughs> of independence, but interdependent. Yeah. Okay. And then I also, I appreciate Lisa page 45 saying Newt really started it. Helped by Roger Stone. I think that is super Interesting. And, and by, so we've been talking about, it's really been this 50 year arc that led to Trump. And I personally choose to believe it's my optimistic side. And also I think God inspired that that is really God bringing us to a point of revealing a whole bunch of junk that's been there under the surface and, and letting a new generation of people, Gen Xers, millennials, Zs choose again, democratic principles. So I think it's God's mercy to let all this stuff come to the surface. And I like to think about it in a 50 year window. Yeah. Having said that 50 years was preceded by 50 years or hundred years. So it's hard to like plant the flag and be like, Oh, it started here. Having said that, I will tell you a friend of mine is a guy named Mickey Edwards. Is anybody from the Oklahoma city on here? I, I think, saw an Oklahoma I think city so. on there earlier. Mickey yeah. Edwards was a longtime congressman from the area, little Jewish guy um, from red, red belt, Oklahoma. And he was, I think like third or fourth in charge in, in the power structure of Congress when Reagan was president. So he's hails from that era. He says it was Newt Gingrich. He says that was the point where like in our current day, everything that's falling apart, he traces it back there. I think he even wrote a book about it. And he calls out Newt big time. And Newt definitely galvanized. He used that mindset. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it started earlier. I, I think it really started in the 60s when... Honestly, how do you not ultimately trace this back to the original sin of slavery and systemic racism? Sure. I, yeah. I, it's every single trail leads us back to that place. But what happened in the 60s, as I see history, culture was getting so overturned that there was this white 
angst that grew up like, oh my gosh, these hippies and these blacks and all these people are yeah. going to overturn our culture and take away our position of privilege and power. And we're scared. And so then this guy, George Wallace, rises up, uh, a Democrat at the time, but he went independent and he started talking about law and order and common sense and you good people in culture, not those hippies or those black Panthers. And then when he got ousted from so Richard Nixon then usurped that and took it for himself. And he and Richard Nixon's group coined the term silent ma majority. And law and order became this thing. And what all those things were these dog whistles for, hey, white people, those people are out to get you. You need to vote for me so that they don't get you. And so Nixon and then, of course, Reagan really capitalized on that with Paul Weyrich and the moral majority and abortion as a manipulative political tool. And then yeah. the new Gingrich took it to another level in the culture war. So all of them are culpable in all of that, I say. Okay, fun fact. Y'all yep. ready for this? For people from California, did you know that the American Independent Party that is registered with the state of California is actually the party of Governor George Wallace? Yeah. It still exists because a lot of people, like our daughter, when she registered to vote when she was 18, she was like, I'm going to be independent mom. I don't want to be a part of a political party. I said, great, go for it. And I forgot to tell her, you have to pick no party preference. She picked the American Independent Party. <laughs> and so she's a member of the Governor George Wallace Party. So if you are listening and you're in California and you made the same mistake, you can change that on the Secretary of State website. So, anyway, that's just a little fun fact. I know, right? Isn't that funny? So, so dog whistles. Um, what was the one somebody was saying? What do you guys think about? Somebody asked me who's going to win the Super Bowl. Think about abolishing the two-party system. Yeah, I don't know system. how you would abolish the two-party system. Uh, I don't know, honestly. But there is a movement in California to start a centrist party. It's called the Common Sense Party. <laughs> the dog's going to have a dog so sitting by you. He's been I looking for a comfortable spot. It's okay because I have to lean forward to see the comments. But there are a lot of political scientists out there who are expert on third parties and I don't know. I mean, there's just huge hurdles to that, but you have to have the open primary system or the jungle primary has. system like California has. And that was enacted by a citizen. Is it a referendum where you run a ballot measure and like we have direct democracy in California. And for anybody that doesn't know what that means in California, you qualify a measure. You can. Yeah. And so now we can vote in any election in the primary you can vote for the Republican or the Democrat. You don't have to just vote in the primary of your party. Yeah. And, and so that gives room for a third party to rise up. It hasn't worked out that way yet, but it takes some time, but, but hopefully that will happen. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to also react to this whole point about literally it's corruption. Here's what that looks like. When you were saying your point about Republican, like, evangelicals think that raising taxes is a sin and they don't know why they think that it's just so embedded right. in the political culture and language. They've never stopped to evaluate the roots of that thinking. Let me tell you, it's very obvious, not that I need to tell you, but, but just to be really clear about it, it's because of the single interest private sector influence on the political that marries up with the religious part of the party and they fund the party, okay? The base of people that show up at events, that turn out to vote, et cetera, are the evangelicals, but the people paying for the machinery are, are wealthy business people, like they're single interest private sector business people. So they don't like taxes. So then they're like, they kind of maneuver into and through their religious voters and like, did you know that God doesn't like tax? Da, 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 da. And it's just total manipulation. Yeah. Now, having said that, it's not like there isn't similar stuff that happens on the left of single interest. <laughs> and it's not like there shouldn't be a ton of checks on the use of publicly stewarded dollars, of course. But just want to be clear, it's political. It's self-serving political. Right. And and we hear a lot like that's on both sides, but no. <laughs> There really isn't this religious manipulation of God wants you to be anti-tax. And so that is, and, and so how that really got inculcated was you had Christian media and right-wing media. So you have this focus on the family going through Christian radio stations and now through the internet and constantly talking culture war, culture war, culture war. 
and it begins. So it starts with abortion and, and many can agree. Okay. Abortion's a moral issue. It's a, it can be a religious issue. I think we've misread it some, but I get where people are coming from in that. And then the voice of that anti-abortion movement then starts telling you about how evil taxes are and how evil immigration, allowing immigrants to come in is, and you start to conflate them all together, that they're all biblical and no, you know, no infringement on our gun rights, no infringement on the flag being a, they all get lumped together coming from the same media. And we start to believe that all of these are God's issues when the Bible just doesn't back it up. Okay. So we're going to go in a slightly different direction. Here, okay. I think there's a good couple of comments and questions about like one person asks, are you, I assume you speaking as a preacher or as a citizen? And then there's another comment that says, yes, I don't care what your point of view is. Just no preacher should have any involvement in government or talk about government. So well, that's ludicrous. Why would that be? Hmm. Let's think are, are they talking about like tax exemption? I don't know. So first of all, we should be clear. Paul is attempting to start a business that can help perpetuate the content he creates, the books he writes, the blogs he posts, the podcasts he records, etc. And it's for profit. Why? Because we want to pay taxes. Mm. We're not trying to get a tax shelter. So and if that, able, and we want to be able to share, yeah, whatever we believe biblical truth yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's infected the Church of America. If you're a pastor and you're trying to lead your people to understand and connect with the God of the Bible who loves them, and they are consumed by the political right, they are consumed by QAnon, they are consumed by conspiracy theories, and they are looking for their shepherd, their pastor in the pulpit to affirm these things. You have no choice but to call that out as a pastor, as a man of God, you have to lift it up and present it to the light of the Holy Spirit and say, this is not of God. So it is the political mindset that has infiltrated the church that now requires people of faith to stand up and say no more and to break it off. So that brings us to this place where we're having to say these things. If we weren't in this situation, would Paul be all the time talking about the difference between political thought, the difference between the what the Bible says, et cetera? Probably not. We'd be moving on to something else. But that's where we're at right now, and we have to stand against yeah. it. We'd use our voices to do that. So from the vantage point of pastors of tax-exempt, not-for-profit organizations should not be in the pulpit telling people to vote for Donald Trump. I 100% agree. And I've had those discussions with pastors mm -hmm. before during the Obama administration and beyond saying, guys, if you keep telling people how to vote and handing out voter guides in your churches, you should lose your tax-exempt status because you are violating your covenant. Now, being tax exempt doesn't mean you can never talk about policy and government. There, there is a certain amount that's allowed in that legal covenant. But yes, presidents or, or, or pastors that stand in the pulpit and tell people who to vote for president, you are definitely putting your tax exempt status at risk and shouldn't be doing that. But definitely, and, and you've had some of the people you're working with saying like, where are the white pastors standing up and That's saying it. January 6th is not That's okay, it. not okay. And following QAnon is not okay. Yeah. It is not okay for a Christian to be doing this stuff. And that the police helped people down the steps on January 6th because they were white. And we all know damn well that if they were black or brown or wearing a turban, the same thing would not have happened. Yeah. Christians have to be standing up and saying, yes. that's not okay. Yes. That is yes. not okay yes. in our country. And yes. we're sick of it. And yes. we're sick of the church espousing it. And so I, I hope that there are a lot of pastors that will stand up and say those things. Yeah. Well, I am just mesmerized yeah. by all these comments. It's such good, good feedback and thoughts. So hopefully yeah, that was maybe that was important for us to, have a little bit of an animated moment there. <laughs> this is so refreshing. Thank you both. Every Exactly. I know so many Christians that support them. Yeah. Keeping religion separate from government is basic. And again, I think it's arguable what that term looks like. Everybody brings their moral values to their civic engagement. So to say, Christians, you have to leave your Christianity at the door of the voting booth I, it's not realistic. It's and, and I don't think it's what the Bible says. I think the Bible says, hey, your belief 
in, in this God of the Bible means you you have to vote and, and do your actions from a compulsion okay, of caring I, about people. I, I see this. Thank you, Beige 45, for bringing, I didn't know, you said Unbreaking America, and I didn't know what that was, but it's a 10-minute explanation of why we why we are where we are. So Unbreaking America. I, well, I appreciate the that. suggestion. I don't think we should ever endorse a video that we haven't seen, but we do like Lisa. And yeah, Beige well, 45, I mean, so. I, I'm just saying I've not seen that. That's yeah. I, I want to go check it out. I don't know what it says, but that's interesting. I'll definitely check it out. Okay. Let's see. May I also just um, reflect back on the comment I made earlier about really just things. And the farther I go back and try to understand how we got to where we are, it just really does in so many ways tie back to, to systemic and individual racism in our country. And when I think about how God views people, I just can't think, honestly, I can't think of anything that grieves his heart more. Mm. There might be other things I just can't think of. I just cannot imagine a greater stench in God's nostrils. So if that is in fact been what has been at the heart of so many of these political anchor points for the right, then do you not think God would want to blow that up? And I don't mean that, disrupt. Do you not think he would disrupt that? It is his mercy that it would be disrupted and that we would have a chance of putting down a new foundation. So I think that's the season that we're in. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. And I think it's really hard and I'm not exactly sure where that has to go, but I'm clear on that point. Yeah. I'm clear yeah. on that point. Somebody uh, said, hey, oh, I just joined late in the video. So yes, um, you can go back and watch this live on YouTube. Oh, that's uh, right. The Pastor okay. Paul YouTube channel. TikTok doesn't save the lives, yeah. but I'm glad you feel bad that you joined late. We do this at 1030 Pacific every Saturday. Sometimes, okay, for a while there, we were only doing lives on TikTok. And I was like, I'm glad that wasn't saved <laughs> because maybe somebody could distort or take some of our, the things we say out of context. But now it's saved. So whatever, we're just going to go with it. We're over, over our time and running out of time. But somebody said, was saying, and, I, and again, sometimes text is hard to understand exactly the tone of what you're asking. But somebody said, Dearborn, Michigan is a Muslim community. And do we want Muslims bringing their morals into government? Mm. And my answer to that is yes. See, we have to be careful of, we know Muslim people and they're good people. And just in some ways we say, the people that broke into the Capitol on January 6th don't represent all white people and all evangelicalism, but it needs to be denounced by all evangelicals, just like on 9-11, yeah. that didn't represent all Muslims in our country. But my Muslim friends tell me, then we were compelled, we, they, you have to stand up and denounce this. So why aren't we now saying to Christians, you have to stand up and denounce this, but to think that a Muslim doesn't bring good morality into their civic engagement yeah. in the United States, I don't think you know any Muslims then because they are required to bring a morality into what they do that sometimes is a higher standard than many Christian from. friends of mine. Okay, may I put it this way? I have a suggestion on how to think about this. Okay. okay? And it actually comes from a conversation that I had with our 21-year-old daughter this week who was home for uh, a little while, went back down to LA but she was here and she, she texts me, she's downstairs. She texts me, mom, are you on a call? So I was working at home. I said, no, come on up. So she comes into my little home office upstairs and she's bawling her eyes out and she's like, I need a hug. What's going on? So we embrace, I'm just holding her, holding her. And she just starts pouring out her heart. Mom, there's no end in sight to COVID. She's a performing artist. I, I don't know when theater is going to open up again. I'm feeling so stuck. The world is crazy. Nobody is like trustworthy on and on she goes. Okay. So I think to myself, wow, this is a picture of where this is where our kids are at. What, what came to me in that moment is I just said to her, Sydney, you cannot absorb from headlines, the truth of what's happening in, in community and in society today, any time in any place where you see sacrificial love, whether it's a person who's doing it in the name of Jesus or it's a person doing it in the name of Allah, or a person who's doing it in the name of humanism and, and agnostic yeah. or Judaism, a person who is sacrificially loving, whatever that looks like, that is God. 
And that sacrificial love doesn't need affirmation from political leaders to be true. Sacrificial love doesn't need affirmation from headlines and media sources to, to exist. Let's choose to find that, see it, pay attention to it. Where you see it in your friend group, where you see it on your college campus, where is their sacrificial love? Mm. That's what we, that moors our society. So these questions about it, do we bring religion into government, blah, blah, blah. Like who cares about that? Where is the sacrificial? Where are we choosing to do things for people we don't know, people don't look like us, future generations will never know. That's what we anchor. Right. That's what we anchor to. We experience that through the person of Jesus. And we believe he is a reflection of who the true God is. What in a societal sense, it really that that filter doesn't matter. Yeah. Find that sacrificial love and anchor to that. And that's what we want to see reflected in policy and in community decisions. I think if you believe that Congresswoman Elon Omar, is that her name? Did I get that right? I, I, I think hope so, I did. Yeah. If you believe that she's less of an American than you because she is a follower of the, I don't know, I'm not sure what the right term is, Muslim religion or is Islamic religion. If you believe she's less of an American than you because she was a, an immigrant into this country, which I also believe is true, Elon Omar, yeah then you don't understand America. I, I don't think you understand what it's all about and what religious freedom really means. R religious freedom doesn't mean that our religion doesn't interact with our civic engagement. It means the government is not going to impose a law because we're a Christian nation. We're not gonna, the, the, the founding fathers, I think were absolutely adamant. We're not going to be a nation with any religious imposition on the people. And these guys that have gone back and rewritten American history to try to explain otherwise, I think are wrong because they thought any implementation of a religion by government is not only bad for government, it's bad for religion as we know from the Roman empire. So religious freedom means the government can't make you follow any religion and that no religion is gonna to try to impose itself into government but that doesn't mean our morality is always going to be influenced by our faith right. and our spirituality. That's right. yeah. But Elon Omar and your Muslim friends around you in your community are no less American than you. Yeah. And, and if you can't understand that, and if we can't get through that, then we got a problem. And right now, everything I'm hearing from our government is like Islamic terrorists are not the worry in our country right now. It's our own people right, that right, we're worried right, about so right now. Seeing. They're the real yeah, threat. Yeah. So let's just get all this straight. Hey, so we got to wrap up, but yeah. I want to just answer a couple of questions. So people have asked about what your web page is. And so why don't you run down the list of how people can go? And then there was also a question about if you do a weekly service. We do. So answer the first part. So like pastor-paul.com. That is the URL that'll take you to the podcast website that has the information, the podcast and blogs. And if you go there and click on the events contact page, you can reach out to me personally via email. And you'll also see that we do a Sunday morning spiritual gathering, 10 a.m. Pacific on Zoom. And so you can get the Zoom link there and join. And we share life together a little bit. We uh, go through the religious tradition of communion together. We would love to have you join that. So what else do I need to tell Okay, pastor-paul.com. Also just want to mention, thank you for sharing out this live yeah. and for following. If you haven't already, you can follow on TikTok at Old Pastor Paul. So if you've joined in, make sure that you're following. Share this because we're on a mission to break the algorithm. We think human force can, can beat the robots. Again, um, and let's make sure that, that we do what we can to connect people who want to think and talk this way. Paul quit his job to literally try to create a social media platform where these kinds of conversations can happen. So we, we definitely are risking our own family's future. And so we really need the help and uh, beat, love the for robots, you to yes. beat the robots, share this content with as many people as possible. Tune in tomorrow morning. If you'd like to check it out, you can see the weekly gathering on TikTok live. So you're not like actually in the zoom room doing the communion. If you're a little shy, you don't know what to expect. You can join on TikTok or you can also sign up to get the Zoom link and then connect with people and talk back and forth. Yeah. Um, Somebody asked the name of my book earlier. So it's called Joseph Comes to Town. So again, if you go to the website, pastor-paul.com, it has a link that says Joseph the Novel. And you can see on there all the ways you can buy it through Amazon, 
or by joining our Patreon community or uh, my favorite, ordering it directly through the website. I, okay, my favorite way to experience Paul's book is if you sign up on Patreon, you can actually get audio chapters. Oh, and the new segment is coming out. I think this weekend I'll have it finished. Yeah, so um, so Paul is, if you didn't catch this, so he's got a career in broadcasting. So he's actually got like a really great like audio, like it's his own, it's his own work. It's his own story. So hearing him read this story is really cool. But to access the audio, it's not on Audible. You go to Patreon and you can sign up for, I think it's $5.99 a month and you get access to the audio content. Yeah. Um, and the way to get there, pastor-paul.com. Click on the Patreon link. If you're on your iPhone, they tell me it's not on there and I'm not sure why. So that's so it's really confusing. Patreon.com slash NPE podcast because it's the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. And somebody asked the book title is Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Go Religiously Wrong. Did I get that right? When the religious right becomes religiously okay. wrong. So the book is called Joseph Comes to Joseph Town. Joseph Comes to Town. And and Joseph. you can find it on Amazon through Joseph Comes to Town. And then it has a subtitle when the religious right becomes religious. Oh, I want to gift you a domain name if interested. Okay. Mm, maybe. That'd be cool. Yeah. So we are working on rebranding everything. Can't wait yeah. to read the book. Awesome. I, it, I really do love the book. It's I think, really good. Yeah. And I think Beige 45, we're in a process right now. A friend of ours is a really gifted like communication strategist person. And so Paul's got content in four or five different buckets. So we're working on we're fix streamlining that. it. So I don't know that we want to start off with another URL until we know like what the overall, it's probably just going to be like pastorpaul.com or something. And then you could access the book, the podcast, the blogs and whatever the book is on amazon and the kindle version is on amazon you can get it on there and somebody asked if you can do like a little sample of the audio is that available on your website like a little taste yes. of it then go check it out i just did a tiktok with it this week okay but, but nobody knows because tiktok's algorithm was stamping me down okay so let's like we have to resist <laughs> <laughs> sorry tiktok i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah but yeah stay tuned for the rebrand beige 45 oh that's so big. Be fabulous yeah and even now you know even getting pastor-paul.com is a bit of a change for us so yeah we're working on that but yes i did i read a segment on tiktok this week but, but also, and so that's on your TikTok page. So that's static content, right? Like right. you can go find that. But also he's got a lot of videos. So if you don't want to figure out all, go through that, just go to the website, pastor-paul.com. And then you should make sure it's on your Maybe I'll page. do another one this week. Do it I'll on your homepage. So then it's right week. there and you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah. It is always so hard for us to say goodbye. I know. We never um, can stop. We start late. We go long. Because, because we just like hanging out with you guys and seeing your comments. But my son probably wants breakfast at this point. It's yeah. like noon. In Somebody says, I would love to start a life group on your message. Wow. I would send yeah, me a DM, a send idea. me a direct message or email me through the website. And let's talk about how we yeah. can support you in that. Yeah. All right. I, I also want to say hi to Southern Drawl Dim, one of my favorite TikTokers. He said hi. And you got to see his Wait, page. hold on. You're spreading like wildfire in my Toronto church. What? We love what? Toronto. Oh my God. I have to tell you about my Toronto fascination. Wait, you were just saying goodbye for breakfast. I know. This is why we can never get off. Can I just say in 20 seconds, I am obsessed with a worship CD that was produced live in Toronto. And I, as best I can tell, the 80s or 90s, it's Vineyard, it's Winds of Worship, Toronto Live, song number eight, True Love. I cannot stop listening to it. And I have been for months. I she, feel she God all over that. And because of that, I feel like there is this resource that is Toronto, that is Canadians and this honest and authentic Vineyard, pursuit yes. of the love of God for people. And I experienced that by listening to your music. So, wow. I, and I think we are looking at how do we support ministries around the the country in North America and Toronto of sharing this message. God is we, not mad at you we need guys. need the peace of the Canadians to pour into the unrest oh, of the God, United Canada, States. Do we so, need your help. We need a, like a Holy Spirit open border to like flow on down here. Anyway, we got to go. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. See, See ya. Thanks for everything. You're the best.